Morning, everybody. Uh, it's good to see you all on this beautiful Sunday. Uh, today is Mother's Day, and there are many moms in our midst, and we welcome you. Many guests coming uh, because of the baby dedications uh, at the end of the service, so we are glad to have you all here. Um, this morning, we're continuing in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Uh, and as we begin, uh, because it is Mother's Day, I want to I want to say a couple things. Uh, it's Mother's Day. It's a time for us to honor our mothers, honor our moms. Um, and there are a lot of new moms in our midst. But we also want to be mindful that uh, there are some of you maybe who have lost your mom uh, this year, or maybe some of you who are struggling with infertility or um, the hardship of a failed adoption or uh, other struggles like that. We just want to let you know that that um, uh, we're here with you, and we're glad to have you here today. Uh, Mother's Day, as any other day, is a time for us to see God's grace at work in our midst uh, in various ways. Uh, so with that in mind, let me pray, and we're going to uh, go um, to Hebrews chapter 12 this morning. Uh, Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you for this morning. Uh, God, you are a good God to us. We thank you for the grace you give us in Christ, how you rescue us from Satan, sin, and death. Uh, how you uh, change us to be your people more like your son, Jesus. So, God, I, I pray that this morning, um, as we gather together and open your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have uh, your way in our hearts and minds to shape us more like Christ. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' good and holy name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it had seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is God's word for us. Friends in Christ, we are adopted children of God. And this good news gives us freedom, gives us a new heart, uh, gives us a new identity, and leads us to true peace with God. And this is really good news for us. Have you ever been heading in a direction, like one direction, just full steam, and then something stops you? I mean, maybe you were, you were going one way and something gets in your way and kind of frustrates your plans. Um, 
If you have children, you know that uh, if you were on your way out the door, uh, on your way out the door on the way to church or an appointment, uh, something inevitably will happen to cause you to be late or miss the appointment altogether. Right. Have you ever been maybe running? Uh, I like to run. So maybe have you ever been running and maybe you get an injury, your knee hurts or your shoe comes untied and you have to like stop running and bend over and tie your shoe or kind of limp for a minute to get your leg back in gear? Or maybe you've been driving on a trip and you get a flat tire or your roof rack flies off. That ever happened to anybody? No, just me. Okay. Got to strap it down right, y'all. Uh, maybe you're out fishing and your boat gets tangled up in whatever is under the water that would tangle your boat. Um, <laughs> it's not my department. But this happens in areas of life, too. Sometimes we have little road bumps, hiccups, things that frustrate us. Maybe you are on your way toward a certain career and something gets in your way and you can't pursue that career you wanted. Uh, maybe you are on your way uh, to a certain education and something gets in your way. Maybe it's not enough money or not a scholarship to get uh, the school, get into the school you want to go to or, or pursue the career or climb the ladder of your job that you had hoped. Maybe it is brokenness in your relationships with others or family dynamics that prevents you from progressing the way that you had hoped. Maybe it's areas of faith where you think, I want to grow in my faith as a Christian, but this happens and now I have doubts. Or maybe I'm growing as a Christian in this direction and, and this happens and now I'm just kind of skeptical. Is my faith real? Or I, I admire this person of the faith and then they failed me and so I'm not really sure if I can move forward. See, the writer of Hebrews addresses the first century church who is in the midst of uh, political oppression is in the midst of uh, religious uh, struggle as they're ushering in this new way of living as Christians and they're trying to figure out how to live in a culture as Christians and many of them are wanting to uh, just give up and go back to uh, their old religious or cultural ways and others are wanting to press forward and they're facing persecution to the point of many are being imprisoned or killed um, and oppressed by the, the political system of the day. And so the writer of Hebrews writes saying that in Christ we are adopted children. And that because of that, we have freedom, true freedom in Christ. And because of that, we have a new identity, a new way of living that ultimately will lead us to true peace with God and each other. Only possible in Christ. And so as we look here today... If you've been with us for a few weeks, you know that we spent a few weeks in Hebrews chapter 11 where the author just names out all of these great biblical figures of the faith, just all of these, you know, quote unquote heroes of the Bible, all to point us to Jesus, our true and faithful hero who leads us to a right relationship with God and each other. And so we pick up in chapter 12 and the author says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he just named every famous person of the the Bible says, hey, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And then later he calls us 
sons. Now in the uh, biblical text, that can mean sons and daughters. It means children together. We're like siblings together uh, because of Christ. And so what I want us to do over the next few minutes is see how this plays out for our lives today. What it means to, as children of God, to be disciplined and to run a race together. What does that mean for you and I today? Okay, so first I want us to see this. Since, since in Christ we are adopted children of God, sons and daughters together, uh, we have good news of freedom. And, uh, and because of this, we can run the race. So first, let's look at this. First, we run the race set before us because in Christ we have freedom. Okay? I love this verse. When I was a youth pastor, I used to teach this verse all the time. And it kind of got me in trouble because... The author says this, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race set before us. The literal statement the author says there is to run naked. Run naked. What he means by that is you have to think back in the first century, you know, think about the original Olympics, like people wearing togas and stuff. If you know any part of history, you know that dudes would not go running in togas. They would take off the toga so they could run fast, all right? This is the, the imagery you have there, it, it is to say, look, if something is clinging to you and, and you can't run fast, you can't run straight, I mean, if you try to run in a toga, I don't know if you've done that, if, that's weird, but if you have a toga, put it on and try to run today and see what happens. You will get tangled up, you will get slowed down, you may trip, you may run out of winds, it'll be hard for you to run forward with a toga. And so with this imagery, the author is saying, hey, look, uh, because we are adopted children in Christ, we are adopted by God as sons and daughters. Don't let anything cling to you that's going to stop you from running. You have to, to strip that off. You have to lay aside anything that's clinging to you to hinder your running. Because you can't, you can't run fast. You can't run forward. You can't run for a long time if you have a heavy toga. You will run out of winds, you will get tired, you won't be able to endure the race set before you. And see, for you and I today, our problem is that human brokenness clings to us. It, it weighs us down. And so often we think, I'm so weighed down. I mean, it, for you, it may, be, it may be the burdens of life. It may be like financial hardship. It may be relational tension. It may be frustration at work or frustration at school or with your neighbors. It may be some sin that you're struggling with, doubts, fears. It may be pride. It, it may be your past. You may say, man, I am so burdened with this. It's hard for me to press on in the faith. I mean, I have my doubts. I'm not sure I can run any further. And if I can run, I'm not sure I can run fast and, and, and straight. I, I think I'm just I'm feeling weighted down. And the author says two commands in the statements. First is lay it aside. And second, run. Those two things go hand in hand. And so often we try to do one without the other. So often uh, without Christ, we say, well, I'm just going to run. I'm going to do better and try harder. I'm going to pick myself up by my bootstraps and I'm going to press on. Uh, a toga and everything can't stop me. I'm going forward and you're going to get exhausted and collapse. Or sometimes we say, I can't take the guilt and shame of this anymore. I can't take the struggle. I'm just going to throw it down and be done and walk away. But the author says we are to do two things because of our identity in Christ. Because we are adopted sons and daughters, we have to do two things. The first is to lay aside 
everything that clings to you so closely. And then secondly, run with endurance. And that is good news. You see, I love that the author does not say, do better, try harder, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, just deal with your toga and go on with it. Nor does he say, just throw your toga down and just chill, man. Grab a margarita, just relax. No, he says, throw down the toga and run. Throw it down and run. And what's great about this, if you know anything about the first century naked Olympics, is that people, it it, it was not an individual sport. It it was a community activity where you would uh, run the race with others. Think of like a relay race where you're like passing a baton. Right? And this is what's the beauty of it all. This is what, what we're to see in Scripture is that in Christ, as sons and daughters, we are not individual sons over here and individual daughter right there. We are collectively children of God. We are a family together. Therefore, when it comes to laying down some sin, laying down some pride, stripping off some things that entangle us, some burdens from our past, that's a community activity. I mean, that's something we do together. We, we bear one another's burdens. We bring grace into each other's lives to help each other uh, strip off anything that entangles us. And then we run together with endurance. I like running. And when I run with other people, I run better. Right? I mean, any race that I've run, I run faster and better time than I trained for because I'm with other people. I'm like, yeah, this is great. I'm going to go and, you know, had goals that I set. Right? Until I dropped something on my foot and couldn't run the marathon. But that's another story. See, our race together is a community event. Something we do together. So, the first point I want us to take away is that we are running the race because in Christ we have freedom. And so what is it that entangles you? What is it that's keeping you from running the race? Is it some sin that you're struggling with? Is it some fear that you're struggling with? Is it guilt and shame from your past? Is it fear about the future? Is it relational tension or financial stress or uh, burdens from work or school? Whatever that is, Scripture says... I mean, we look back to the whole Old Testament. That's what I like. He says, hey, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, after just laying out in chapter 11 the whole theme of the Bible, it says, look, just read your entire Bible and look how God prevails. When, when God's people are faithless and unfaithful to Him, He is faithful to them. And that is good news. So since you, we have seen that, we look throughout the Bible from Genesis all the way up to the Gospels and into the New Testament, we see that God is always faithful to bring His people through. So because of that, we have great confidence that we can strip off anything that hinders us together and run together with endurance. Secondly, I want, to see this. I want us to see this, is that we are to focus on Jesus because in Christ we have a new heart. A new heart, not only our emotions and affections, but just a, just a new motivation, what we dwell on, right? What occupies our, our mental capacity and our affections, right? Because look at what he says in verses 2 and 3. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So what I want us to see here 
And that the author says, hey, look, uh, you, you know, we can trust God. We can see his work in the past. So strip off anything that entangles you. Run with endurance. But as you run, look to Jesus. You have to keep Jesus in your focal point of your heart and mind. All right. The words he says here is, is look in verse 22 or verse two. Sorry. Looking to Jesus. That means your attention is focused on him. It's not just a passing glance like, hey, Jesus. It is you are focused on Jesus with all of your attention as you run. You're not focused on the toga that you just threw off. You're not focused on the person running next to you who may not be running as good as you. You were focused on Christ and running headstrong, full forward. He also says in verse 3, consider him. Now consider sometimes for you and I can, can just mean like, well, I'll consider that. I'll, I'll weigh that option. Right? That's not what the author says here. Consider does not mean to weigh an option. It means to analyze. It means to really, uh, with such intensity, study. Right? So what the author is saying is to focus your attention and study Jesus as you run with endurance. That's pretty cool. That changes everything in my understanding of the Christian faith. Is It's not just, well, I'll weigh my option. I mean, if this, uh, this thing doesn't work out for me, there's always Jesus to fall back on. No, you study Jesus because you were so focused on him and you run forward with endurance, stripping off anything that hinders you from doing that. I've talked about this before, and many of you guys know that uh, back in the fall for my father's 60th birthday, we gave him uh, hang gliding lessons. And it was kind of a two-for-one deal, and none of my siblings wanted to do it. So I said, well, sure, I'll try it. And so now my father and I have been hang gliding a bunch because it's so awesome. It's like crazy cool. It's like hammocking face down in the sky. It's just so, it's so neat. You're like, I can't believe this, you know. I'm 2,000 feet in the air. And then I just can't think about it because I freak out at that point. But we went hang gliding um, last weekend. And, and so we're up there, and, and there's something. Our flights are getting, like, longer and longer. You have to pass all these skills tests, right? And there's something called target fixation. Okay, when you hang glide, you have to, to run fast to get airspeed. And when you jump off the hill, because you're jumping off a hill, you have to focus where you're flying. All right, if you, if you look straight ahead where you're going if you start to get blown off course a little you can kind of correct and you can keep going forward but the second you take your eyes off your target you lose track of where you're going and it's really easy to do because if you're like my dad had the cameras like i'm gonna, I'm gonna film you i was like yeah and so like the second i run off the mountain i'm like hey dad and then because of target fixation i start diving toward where my father is with the camera and so because of that, you can get way off course, and it is very, very difficult, almost impossible, to stop yourself from staying off course. It's hard to correct your course once you've gotten off of it, right? And so what happens here is the author is telling us in Scripture to have Jesus as our focal point for a successful flight, so to speak, right? There are so many things that are seeking to steal your attention and affection from Christ, so many things. There are bad things that want to take your attention and affection from Christ. There are the sins of your past saying, look at me, look at me. There are the doubts and the fears that haunt you. 
There's the brokenness that you've experienced. There's the struggle in your present, the things that, that, that are just kind of just nipping at your heels, that are trying to take your eyes off of Christ so that you'll look at it and have target fixation and dive bomb rather than press forward in Christ. There are even good things that are seeking to take your attention. There are your spiritual successes huh, that can take your attention. There is even opportunities in your community of faith to steal away your attention from Christ. I see it all the time. So many times we can, we can meet with other believers and we start talking about our church and our ministry and our denomination and our missions and all this kind of stuff. And, and sometimes it's really easy to forget Jesus in the midst of that conversation. Is it not just me? Okay, whatever. I meet with a group of pastors. It's very common. It's very common. Like, hey, coffee, donuts, our missions. Wait, wait a second. Jesus. And we have to point ourselves back to Christ. So even good things can take your focus off of Christ. Bad things can take your focus off of Christ. This is why the author of Hebrews tells us to focus on Jesus. Because as we're looking to Him with our attention, as we're considering Him in our hearts with our full affection, we're not looking to circumstances, we're not looking to emotions, we're not looking to our past, we're looking to Christ. And this spurs us on, headstrong, focusing on Him together, running the race with endurance. So, I want us to see that as disciplined children of God, we run the race because we have true freedom in Christ. And secondly, we um, focus on Jesus because Christ gives us a new heart to focus on Him. And third, I want us to see this. We endure discipline because in Christ we have a new identity. And this is good news and sometimes hard to take. We see in verses 5 through 7, The author says, Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Remember, that means sons and daughters in the context. It means children of God, brothers and sisters together. Okay, The exhortation that addresses you as sons, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And it's for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? We have many misconceptions of discipline in our day and age. Many of us think discipline means to uh, punish. Maybe that's the only concept you have of discipline. Maybe you think, anytime I heard the word discipline, that means I was getting a whooping. Right? That was me. Like, I'm going to discipline you. Great. I know what that means. Or sometimes you may think discipline means to um, squeeze you to be in a very square box. Right, But discipline is not punitive. Discipline is instructional. Discipline is, is um, God training us. Just like if you have children here today, if you are a mom and you have raised children, you know that, that raising kids, uh, you don't just punish them all the time, but you, you teach them, you instruct them, you, you nurture them, you comfort them when they're sick, you, you bandage their knee when they scrape their knee, even if they did it doing something you told them not to do, you still care for them. Right? You instruct them and love them, you nurture them them. And scripture tells us here that God disciplines us because we are his children. Because we have been adopted through Christ as sons and daughters, we are disciplined. The word discipline, it's the same word related to the word disciple. It's a good thing to be disciplined. It means you are a disciple of Christ being shaped to be more like Jesus. Okay. And the, and 
We see here that Proverbs is quoted, and you, and you know we say this all the time, anytime the New Testament quotes the Old Testament, you have to go back and read the context of the Old Testament to get the full meaning, that it's not just a little snippet, it's actually bringing a lot of stuff into the picture. To quote two sentences here is bringing a bunch of wisdom literature to mind for the first century readers. So we see that we endure discipline because in Christ we have the new identity as being uh, children of God. And the author even tells us here, have you forgotten the exhortation? So I want us to be people who remember the truth of our identity as sons and daughters of God in Christ. I don't want us to forget. I want us to remember as we run forward side by side, laying down things that entangle us, running headstrong with endurance, focused on Christ with our attention and our affection together, reminding ourselves that we have a new identity. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget whose you are. All right, fourthly and finally, I'll say this. We are to grow in holiness and righteousness because in Christ Jesus we have true peace. And we see the author wraps this up in verses 10 and 11. He says, For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness For the moment, all discipline seemed painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We see that Scripture talks a lot about holiness and righteousness. Last time we looked at righteousness uh, can mean two different things depending on usage. It can mean right standing before God. Jesus gives us a righteous relationship with God. We don't do that on our own. Jesus does that on our behalf. But righteousness also means living rightly. We are living rightly because of Christ. So we live righteously, right? And then we also have looked at holiness, meaning uh, the word tied to that is sanctification. We talk about growing in holiness. Holiness can mean you have been set apart for God's purposes. And that's a really good thing. And so we see here that because we have this new identity in Christ, that that we are adopted children of God, we run with freedom, we focus on Jesus, we endure through discipline, and in so doing, we grow in holiness and righteousness. And this is good news for you and I today together. So I want to say this as we consider these things. What has your affection and attention? What is entangling you to prevent you from running forward? What are you forgetting? Are you getting lost in other things that say there is your identity? Your identity is not in your job. Your identity is not in the school you come from. The identity is not in the neighborhood in which you live or the family that you're a part of. These can all be really good things but they're not your identity that may be a role God has you in I tell people all the time my role is husband, father, pastor my identity is not a pastor I'm a, I'm a child of God I'm a goofy child of God but my role is a pastor it's not my identity you too have many roles that you play in your life but your identity is an adopted son or daughter of God in Christ 
And that changes everything. So as we consider uh, this passage today, as you walk away, uh, the bulletin has questions for you to think through and discuss. It's my hope and prayer that you would study the scripture and pray it through and meditate on it. Discuss it with your uh, spouse or your friends or your missional community or whoever. Because it's my hope and prayer that together it's a community event for us to strip aside anything that entangles us. It's a community effort for us to run forward with endurance. It is a community effort to remind one another to focus on Christ when other things are stealing our attention and affection. It is a community event for us to realize that we have a new identity, to not forget that, but to remember and understand that because of that, God's going to discipline us. And sometimes that feels hard. But if we remember, we will run forward toward holiness and righteousness not because of who we are and what we've done but because who Jesus is and what he's done for us and this is good news and this changes everything so if you're here today and you're not a Christian it is my hope and prayer that you would consider Christ I don't want to tell you to pick yourself up by your bootstraps I don't want to say do better, try harder I want to say that heavy, wet toga you're carrying around, there's only one way to get it off and move forward, and that is to be with Christ. Jesus alone, the only way. I don't want to tell you to strip it off and run on your own, or to just deal with it, man up. No. Jesus Christ alone can take that burden off of you and run forward. And not to run forward by yourself, but to run forward with a community of other believers running forward. Some of us are tripping. Some of us are falling, skinning our knees. We help each other up. Some of us run a little crooked. We try to get back online. I mean, some of us run faster than others. It's not a competition. Sanctification is not a competition. So if you're not a believer, I want you to consider Christ. If you are a believer, I want us to uh, repent of the things that steal our attention and affection. Repent of forgetting our identity in Christ. Repent of being lazy and not running. Repent of holding on to our toga rather than throwing it down. And repent of not growing in holiness and righteousness because of our fears and doubts. And also repenting of uh, individualism which steals the group sanctification forward run, which is so much more fun. Believe me. So as we consider these things, let me pray. Father God in heaven, thank you for your goodness to us. Uh, God, I pray uh, that in all things you would receive great glory and we would receive great joy, that you would shape us to be more like your son, Jesus. God, I thank you that because Jesus endured the cross, we have salvation, we have freedom, we have joy, we have endurance. We can run toward holiness and righteousness because Jesus did those things on our behalf. God, I pray that we would see Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith, not ourselves, not how good we can run, not how heavy of a burden we can endure. God, those things will not, cannot be the author and perfecter of our faith, but only Jesus. So, God, I pray that you would stir up our hearts and minds, our attention and our affection. God, stir us up as a, a community of believers and seekers and doubters and skeptics. God, as sons and daughters coming together and that you would uh, help us to lay aside things that entangle us. Help us to run with endurance toward the joy of Christ in freedom toward holiness and righteousness made possible in Christ, remembering our identity as sons and daughters. We ask that you would do this in Jesus' good and holy name. Amen.